Welcome back, humor consumers, to the Life Happens Laugh Anyway podcast. I'm comedian Tracy DeGraff. And I'm Catherine, co-host and bestie. Well, good afternoon, co-host and bestie. Yeah, it is a good afternoon. It is. It's a beautiful day. It feels like spring, even though we're still in February. You're sitting up straight. I'm working on it. Yes. (laughs) Tracy's in a lot of pain. Yes, and pain. You know how I am about pain, Catherine. I do. I don't mm-hmm. like it. No, not at all. No, I have a, and, a suspected pinched nerve in my back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you ever had a pinched nerve in your back? Yes. Yes, I have. And how did it go away? Therapy. Okay, that was it? But no. you you didn't have to get an injection I or did anything? not have to get an injection. I had um, kind of extensive therapy. Physical therapy, right? Physical therapy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, it wasn't just mental for my back pain. Well, I meant like other therapies in terms of um, like massage therapy or... Oh, I wish. (laughs) (laughs) No. No, I didn't get a script for that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, pray for me, friends, because this girl does not like pain. It makes me cry. I burst into tears like a four-year-old who fell off her bike. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I added you on my little piece of paper for Bible study this morning oh, for, for prayer. our prayer requests. Oh. I put you, put you on there. Thank you. Mm. Yeah, I tried. I try to tolerate pain, and then like I can only tolerate it for so long, and then I'm like, I can't do it. Yeah. So I am seeing a doctor, and I am in PT, and they're going to do an MRI, and my hope is that it's an easy fix. Yeah. Is that scheduled yet? The no. MRI? No, because you know where it is. It's in the purgatory. It's yes. In, it's in the, do know the loop of insurance versus mm-hmm. the provider. Yeah. So my my provider ordered it and somewhere it's in La La Land yeah. trying to figure out if the insurance is going to cover it. Mm-hmm. And then they'll let me know, you know, when I'm up next, <sighs> which is no fun. All right. So I'm sure that our listeners have been there, done that. And boy, can we empathize with you? Yes. All right, well, let's dive into our topic today. What let's is, go. What is our topic today, Catherine? Well, overall, it's about obedience. Mm, yay. And authority. <laughs> now my pain's really kicking in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and we came to this title after uh, watching this documentary, Don't Pick Up the Phone or Hang Up the Phone or something like that. It's called Don't Answer the Phone. Don't Answer the Phone. Mm-hmm. It's about a fast food phone hoax Mm -hmm. that spanned over a decade and it is appalling it's hard to believe but it happened and um i'm i stand corrected i just googled it it's don't pick up the phone so and it's a it's it's out now Mm -hmm. well this is february 2023 so it's out in February 2023, depending on when you're listening to this. But it's <laughs> it's a short docu-series. It's only three episodes, mm-hmm. and they're not that long. They're like 45 minutes long, something like that. And Catherine and I were looking for something to, to watch, yeah. something interesting. And just the title of it was interesting to me. That was intriguing. It was. Well, also, when it popped up, I said, oh, Emily, my, my daughter Emily, did a podcast on it with her friend Casey. Mm-hmm. And they had discussed it. And that was the first time I had heard of it. And I couldn't believe uh, what this this person of so-called authority uh, was capable of doing. Yeah, the power that he the, held. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going to talk about that docu-series. So then, mm-hmm. friends, you'll know whether or not you want to listen to it or watch it yourself or what you think about it. Yeah. So that's one. And then w- that led us to the discussion about the Stanley Milgram study. It was mm-hmm. an experiment back in the early 60s that has 
had also had a bunch of controversy Mm -hmm. in terms of the way in which it was conducted, but it was a study on obedience and authority. Yeah. And so that has some interesting things. And then we're just going to share some of our own perspective. So that's what you're going to get out of today's (laughs) podcast. Right. And we we always have a little inspiration at the end. We do. So we have a verse to share with you as well. We always have something to deliver. We do. And God's word has a lot to say about obedience. Yeah, real lot. A ton. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Pretty much all of it. Yeah. (laughs) We are currently going through the Bible in a year with our church. And this is the first time that I've ever done that in my almost 40 years of being a Christian. So I'm really excited that mm-hmm. I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And I am caught up. Usually I'm, I'm lagging behind like <laughs> one day. Mm-hmm. And I've made a commitment to myself that I'm not going to lag behind more than three days. If I get three days behind, I am going to just c- catch up. Focus. Yeah. Yeah. So I am caught up as of today. We me. Yeah. And it is interesting to go through all these Old Testament books and yeah. learn about all of these things that happened and all the things God asked people to do and the things they didn't do. Yeah. So we'll have a little bit about that. All right. Well, give me your opinion just your opinion of this docu-series i will yeah let's mention our sponsors okay puffin yeah and um so puffin that's nickname for our husbands kenny mm-hmm. and ron so that in short and we also have other humor uh contributors i think we have eight in, in total now yeah so yeah we're we're doing great with that and if people want to become a patron there's a link in the show notes and um, I can I have a list here of everybody that's sponsoring our podcast. So we'll give a shout out to Nancy and Kenny, Karen, Janine, Ron, Darlene, Courtney, and Joan. Yay! Yay! I'm so grateful. It's, yeah, Thank you. we surely surely are grateful. Yeah. And also, um, there was a friend of mine from high school who wanted to support us, but she didn't want to do the recurring billing, mm-hmm. so she just sent a check, and that's Carla. So yeah. thank you everybody yes. for your support because we're chugging along. Yes. All right, thank we're going to get those new microphones one of these days because yeah. <laughs> these are great. Like, yeah. All right, let's get into it. Okay. So tell me, what did you like about this docu series? Ooh, what did I like? Yeah, what about did you it? like well, about it? Well, what I like, oh, that's I, okay. That is hard to answer because I guess what kept me watching was or engaged was how appalling it was, mm-hmm. and how um, this caller they believe it was just one caller, mm-hmm. um, and my curiosity was one how on earth did he get people to do what he did Mm -hmm. and two what was the outcome going to be was he going to be found guilty so that's i guess what you could say what i liked about it was the um just how appalling it was jaw-dropping like most most true crime is almost like you can't believe yeah you know you can't believe that people would even think to do these things. Mm-hmm. Right. And then they would have the the um, behavior in them and the mindset to actually carry it out. Right. And a lot of times it's the who done it. Right. And is that person going to be held accountable? Right. And that's what keeps you to the end. Or me anyway. And we've talked about true crime and why women love it. So if you girls... <laughs> I, I say you girls because it's mostly women that listen to our podcast. But if you listeners want to learn more about true crime and why people love it, check out that episode. Yeah, you have to just look through our archives because I don't, don't. I don't know, know what, what number, number it is. Right. <laughs> yeah, and you know, um, I think that the title of the 
docuseries was also intriguing, as we said. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it got our attention. Yeah. We had never heard of it until we were looking for something to watch. It's not like somebody said, oh, you've got to watch this. No, other than my Emily, I had heard of it. Right. Yeah. But I mean, we yeah. were just scrolling through mm-hmm. what's available on Netflix. And what's going to be sort of short. Yeah, right. Because we knew we couldn't stay up too mm-hmm. long. Right. <gasps> All right. Um. So yeah. what else? What else you got over there? Uh, in terms of a review. <laughs> yes, <laughs> in terms of a review. Like, come on, Catherine. <laughs> Spit it out, girl. Well, I thought it was interesting that... Okay, well, I'll just do a quick yeah, review. If, somebody's, if of, someone's never heard of it, yeah. what would you tell them? Give them a summary of what it's about. Well, this caller um, preyed upon mostly fast food restaurants. And McDonald's was the one that he most often would call. And most of these... Uh, Phone calls were made to restaurants that were in smaller cities, towns, and in areas in which there's normally a deep sense of um, Christianity, religion, Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it, and people who would most likely be um, obedient. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's looking back on it. That's what they would say about that, and about- and perhaps even a sense of naivete. So yes, there's yes. you know, yep, you just yeah. say yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes right. or no, sir, and there's just some naivete, like you know, I just can't believe people would have these motives, right? And uh, we've been building this up, and what this caller did was he would call um, and ask to speak to the manager of the restaurant, and then he would. Uh, ask the manager uh, if there was a certain employee that had a, a description. Well, the descriptions he gave were pretty vague, and most likely, most restaurants would probably have this particular type employee. He would say, uh, a young girl, thin, uh, brown hair, mm-hmm. and, you know, descriptions like that. Yeah. And then the manager would say, oh, yes, of course we do, or we do. Yeah. And then he would say, well, she was uh, caught stealing and we she has a couple choices. She can either come down to the police station or she can be searched th- right there. And right. in these cases, the the victim would choose to be um, inspected there because that person's thinking, well, of course, I don't have anything, whatever they're thinking. Right. But they go along with it. Being, right. And this one particular case that I believe the documentary opens up with is, uh, what is the girl's name? Is it Aubrey or something like that? The victim? The victim. Uh, What was her name? Well, while you're doing that, the Mm -hmm. manager is called Donna Summers. And she, uh, she says, yes, we do have a person with this description. And... Uh, he, the caller proceeds to to tell her she needs to be strip searched. So she's strip searched, and uh, the the by the way, the Donna this Donna finds nothing on her, no stolen property, no money, nothing. And at some point, he tells her, or she says, she's got to get back to work because this is over a two hour period. Right. So for over two and they're hours, busy like they're in their rush. Right. They're busy. Her name is Louise Ogborn. That's, That's it. the victim. Yeah. And the caller then says, "Well, do you have uh do you have a male who can take over?" And so she says, "Yeah, so so for a short amount of time, there is a male figure that's not her boyfriend." And um but at some point the 
the boyfriend of this manager fiance right comes in and he takes over inspecting this girl now the now the caller is telling uh him to have her do jumping jacks while she's naked oh by the way too she's immediately stripped of her um car keys and her um her belongings mm-hmm. her clothes are up, apart from her she can't even reach them right and in fact i think they're in a locker so she has no way of leaving and they gave her an apron to cover herself with and so that's so she's basically there half naked and she's a teenager and her manager mm-hmm. has you know basically said you know this, these are our options you can either go to the police or do this here yeah and the girl complied. Yes, because mm-hmm. she's obedient. She believes that a, somebody of authority is on the phone. But she later says, no, I don't. Right. And she's crying. And she doesn't have the apron on some of these uh, occasions. She's doing the jumping jacks without the apron. And then the caller uh, asks the 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 fiance of the manager to have this girl do um sexual things for him and he goes along with this now this man has never before had any kind of shady background or anything he was well liked and um so this was looking this was an odd thing for out of character for him to do but he did do it and at some point the janitor comes in custodian and he says, what is going on here? He shuts it down. But this, and, and he calls the police. And this is after after two hours. So it's been a long time. The other thing is that the, the manager, Donna, she believes that her supervisor has been in on this. Yes, she, yeah. And and had and was in communication with the police on the other end Mm -hmm. somehow. This guy who called said, I've been in touch with your supervisor or whatever you called the person, your regional manager, whatever the name was for that. Mm -hmm. I've been in communication with them and they're aware of the situation. And this is the way this is going to go down. And he spoke with authority and he spoke with confidence and he was believable. Right. And he was not chaotic. He was very calm and measured. Yeah. And Donna believed hook, line, sinker that he was legit. And supposedly, so did the fiance. Yeah. And I would imagine that the young girl, she was just going with, I'm at work, you know, I'm flipping burgers here. And she's in a small town and she's got a job working at this fast food place. Mm -hmm. And she trusts authority. Right. She trusts that her manager is not going to put her in a situation of harm. Right. And the and the manager trusts the authority of the caller, mm-hmm. that the caller is in charge mm-hmm. and, and nobody's going to be harmed. Right. And, he, and she further believes that her authority, her boss is involved. So, yeah. you know, she's got all these things going in her mind like, well, yeah, of course this is legit. Right. And, but there is no other person actually speaking on the phone either. No. But she believes that that person is there nonetheless. And that he's in communication with her. The yeah. cops are in communication with her boss. Mm-hmm. But so so anyway. Right. It was um, a big fat lie because there was no money that was stolen. Mm-hmm. There was no purse that was stolen. There was nothing stolen. Right. And this guy, for whatever reason, he just, this was his his thing that he did. The- Got his 
rocks off, as they say. Right. Yeah. He, he just, um, he apparently liked the thought and the idea and the execution of being in control mm-hmm. of something, mm-hmm. of taking control and seeing if he could get away with it. And he did get away he, with he it. He sure did. To many restaurants. And I don't recall the number, but... There I were feel like thirty. There were seventy three oh, cases. Seventy three cases, and it was that it, were reported. Thirty two states. That's over ten years. Yes, and they interviewed um, another gal that so that was in Kentucky that that particular incident happened, and there was Rhode Island. There was they were all over, but there was another woman who also was a victim, and. Um, she and her brother were in, um, they were in a, they lived in a trailer. Yeah. And uh, she needed to work to help support the, the family. Right. They but, didn't have a lot of money. Right. So she was working hard. She was working hard. And um, she later said that she just felt ashamed and, and stupid and, and all of these things. But um, so you, your heart really goes out to these people. Yeah. Um. And you, you wonder, how can that possibly happen to them? How can the person who received the call, how can they go through with this? So then yeah. the documentary takes you to, um, well, because the lawyers referred to it. Right. The uh, Milgram, Milgram? Right. right. Study. Stanley Milgram. Yes. Which yeah. what happened um, in the 60s? It was early 60s. I believe it was 1962. Mm-hmm. And this... This um, psychologist, Stanley Milgram, did a study on the campus of Yale University. Right. And he took 40 adult males and they were involved in it, it was they were told that this was a study on learning how people learn and does punishment affect learning. And th- they wanted ordinary people to be a part of this study. They didn't want it to be um, um, like all scientists, you know what I mean? Yes. They wanted a nice uh, group of ordinary people. Right. So, so they, they put, put a, out an ad. They put an ad in the paper mm-hmm. and it basically said, we, you know, we just want to experiment or we're doing a study on learning or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they offered them $4.50 for an hour yeah. well, of their time. Yeah. Well, the minimum wage was just over a dollar. It was like a dollar ten or a dollar fifteen or something like mm-hmm. that. But the people that were involved in the study, so what they did was they took these 40, um, let's call them volunteers, you know, for the study. They brought them in and they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pair you up with another volunteer. Although that person wasn't a volunteer, they were in on it. Right. So these 40 guys, they didn't know that the other 40 guys were in on the the gag or or the study. Right. Let's put it that way. And they said, one of you is going to be the learner and the other one's going to be the teacher. And it's going to be by random selection, who gets learner, who gets teacher. So you're going to draw like out of a hat. But it was fixed. But even that was fixed. Yeah. Because all of the learners were the 40 volunteers who had no idea what was going on. They were there for the $4.50 and to, you know, increase learning. Actually, it was the teachers that were... Right. That's right. I'm sorry. I misspoke. It was the teachers who were the volunteers. Right. And the learner, they were the ones that were in on it. Actor. Yeah. They were actors. And then there was also like the study researcher. Mm -hmm. 
And it's interesting to me that they did all these different variations of the study. So not just with these 40 men, but they, they did it again and again. And they, what they found, one of the things they found is that if the researcher is in the room wearing a lab coat, mm-hmm. gets them every time. Right. And they just, they just go, they just do whatever the guy tells them. Yeah. Which was inflicting pain. Yeah. Electric yeah. shock. Right. <laughs> and yeah, so they would um, ask the, a question, right? Mm-hmm. And the so-called learner, which is an actor on the other side of the, right. like, window whatever it was they had set up it was a wall they couldn't see them oh that's right they couldn't see but they could hear they could hear they could hear them in agony right and so they were told that this level is just itty bitty pain this level is a little bit more and then it went up to you know intense pain right and many of the subjects or so-called teachers uh kept going when like you said the the researcher was in the lab coat when the teacher wanted to stop there were four steps that they were to say that the instructor was supposed to say and did say and it was things like well we have to continue this they started out with please continue please continue like they it was just like a request please continue and then it gradually went up from there to a more stern right this must happen this must go on well they they said something like um the the experiment re, uh, requires that you continue. So it's not me telling you to continue. It's the it's for the sake of this experiment. For this, yeah. That yeah. requires you. Mm-hmm. And and so the language and it was all of that was the same throughout. Mm-hmm. You know, and and then they had um, you absolutely must continue. Yes, that was the last one, right? No, the last oh. one was you have no other option. Oh right. But to continue. Yeah. And some of the teachers who are the volunteers, they were like, oh, yeah, I've got plenty of other options. Mm. This guy on the other end of this wall is crying out in pain. And the learners were banging on the wall. You know, I have a heart condition and <sighs> and um, I'm already starting to feel my heart is hurting and stuff mm. like that. And a couple of them said, I'm not going on. And the and the instructor or the researcher with the lab coat said the same things, whatever he was supposed to say. Yeah, yeah. You must continue. Please continue. It's absolutely essential that you continue, blah, blah, blah. And the guy would go, no, it's not essential that I continue. Mm-hmm. And I've got plenty of options here. Yeah. I, I don't have to do what you're telling me to do. But, but he was an exception. Well, there were, there were 65% of people went through mm-hmm. and then the 45% of the people or whatever it is, 35% of the people didn't. Yeah. I'm so good with math. I can do it right in my <laughs> head like that. <laughs> See how good I am? I, I corrected myself. I was like, wait, that'd be 110. Uh, so the majority of the people did continue, but why did they continue? Why? Because they believed that the end result, that for the greater good, right? Mm, right. That's what they believed. First of all, they believed that the the recipient was not going to have any permanent damage or Mm -hmm. real harm. Mm -hmm. They were told that the electric shock was, it was painful. It was, you know, uncomfortable, but it would do no permanent damage or permanent harm. Okay. And they were given an electric shock before they started so that every everybody could know what it feels like. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't read that at all. They were. Oh. 
they were given a little dose of the electricity, but it was one of the lower doses. The, the teachers were. Yes. Hmm. So, and they said it's only fair that you g- experience this so that you know what you're administering to, oh. to the other person. Okay. And it wasn't bad, you know, obviously, mm-hmm. but when they went up, you know, obviously mm-hmm. they know that that's going to be more. And then the uh, learner on the other end of the wall who was receiving the shock was screaming. Yeah. And pounding right. on the wall yes. and begging for them to stop. Yes. But that person wasn't receiving any shock at all. This was all a setup right. to see how far would the teacher go for the sake of this experiment. Right. Now, I read some criticism on that study. Mm-hmm. And well, first of all, the study was... Um, he came up with that study because of uh, the curiosity of how did World War II, how did all of Hitler's henchmen do, do what, what they, they did? They did? Right. And so that's why the study was done. But some criticism to this study was that, one, they put an ad out. And these people um, were volunteers mm-hmm. and they were getting paid. It was in a lab. It, the first one, anyway, was in a laboratory. Mm-hmm. And so they... So those are some some variables that can interfere with the reasons why they continued to go on with buzzing these people. And that uh, some people even went so far as to say that they believed that some of these men must have known it it wasn't really, um, they weren't really getting shocked. Yeah. So um, it was, yeah, and there were some other criticisms too, but those were some main ones that that I recall anyway that I could see would interfere with um, true outcome. Yeah, you know, a couple of the uh, teachers, they said to the researcher, I don't want to go on because this gentleman in the other room is in obvious agony and I don't want to go on. Mm -hmm. And this one that I'm thinking of in particular, the researcher said his response, which was a canned response, you know, it's absolutely necessary that, you know, that you go. And he did it and he he kept going. So there was real angst inside of him. Mm -hmm. And they, they said that a lot of the teachers were, were continuing. They were complying but they were doing so with real torture, you know, like they didn't want to. But they did it anyway. But they did it. Yeah. And um, before the study was conducted, uh, Stanley Milgram uh, surveyed the psychology department uh, of a group of psychologists and said, how many of you think that in this study, when we do it, that people will go past a certain level of electric shock? Mm. And they said, like, Point n- 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 less than one percent. Oh. So less that they didn't believe that people would actually administer the full force of the shock. Because mm-hmm. if if the shock was real, okay. people would be dead. Yeah. And <laughs> if if people understood electricity, which I don't, you know, well, you know I, it hurts. Well, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know the voltages and all that. Yeah. Um. But if people did have an understanding of that, then they maybe they wouldn't have continued to go forward because they'd be like, I'm going to kill somebody here. But these psychologists felt like there's no way that average people are going to do this. Yeah. Well, they were wrong. Mm-hmm. More than half, 65% of them did do it. Yeah. And they went all the way to the highest levels. What I'm thinking, though, is I may not understand voltages and things like that, but I understand the sound of pain. Yeah. You know, 
And I, I, I have no idea. I, I won't claim to know whether or not I would go through with that. You know, not that. <laughs> Tracy's looking at me because we're going to get to our opinions. Well, let's on- talk about that now because Catherine and I disagreed when we watched the um, Don't Pick Up the Phone yeah. uh, docuseries. Mm-hmm. The woman, Donna, who was the manager who you know this criminal i believe he's a criminal he was never he never did uh pay for his crimes right this man who yeah. did this mm-hmm. uh, he was a spoiler alert yeah sorry help. but just watch it anyway if you're interested yeah, in it. otherwise it's appalling or, i mean we only covered a smidgen yeah obviously because there's three hours yeah. of of material there but anyway this donna mm-hmm. you had said something to the effect of I, I can't remember. I'll let you speak for yourself. Uh, yeah, yeah. You speak for yourself. So I want to first start out by saying I can absolutely see myself as the, the victim victim. So there's there's many victims in this. Mm-hmm. But I can see myself as an obedient um, person, you know, mm-hmm. and falling under th- being victimized in the way that that girl was. And that, be, well, especially since her keys were taken away and her clothes. Because she was in court, she was criticized, uh, of course. Um, why didn't you just leave? Right. Well, she was naked. Right. What is she going to do? Run through the restaurant? And she's very young, 18 or younger. And um, I can also see myself as initially um, falling for an authoritative person on the phone like Donna did mm-hmm. initially. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's how this man did it. He did it step by step, methodically, and um, starting with, you know, an inch and then taking a mile. It was that's, like a grooming situation. It was a grooming and situation. And it was over yes. more than two hours, mm-hmm. I think, in this case. And I don't know how long in the 73 cases that they had. But he started out with have her take off her shoes and see if the money's in there. Mm-hmm. And take off her hat and see if the money's in there. And it went gradually to this place of sexual abuse. Extreme sexual, uh, yes. And in some of the other cases as well. Yeah. And the reason I think that I wouldn't get to that point is because one, I know myself. Like I know uh, under those the, those circumstances, in that scenario, in that case, mm-hmm. I just know that I um, would have put a stop to it. And here's why. I I was seven years old when uh, somebody of authority had been in my life and in front of me. And I was extremely obedient and also told to respect my elders. Mm -hmm. And I was in a situation that... um, felt uncomfortable and it felt wrong but I was being obedient anyway and uh red flags were going up I was seven Mm -hmm. and I walked away luckily I was able to um it's kind of a long story as as you know but but um those red flags are they're there they're they're given to you Mm -hmm. for discernment and 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 things such as that even under those grooming circumstances Mm -hmm. is what i believe and that's just for me i 
in the circumstance where this Donna hands the phone to her fiance Mm -hmm. and this girl is naked and she's a a minor and uh and then she and by the way this Donna keeps she comes in and out while this girl is crying she obviously doesn't I'm getting all red and fired up inside Mm -hmm. because it bothers me but as it as it should but this girl's crying she's naked she's vulnerable she obviously does not have anything on her and this donna already knows this girl's character yeah so no i do not see myself falling um victim victim to to that yeah i can see where it can happen um to um to people like like myself even and maybe other circumstances not that one yeah and i think that perhaps the janitor or cleaning guy who came in there he was brought into the situation and he observed you know this is not right and he expressed it right away Mm -hmm. so he was that person who came in from the outside and said we need to put a stop to this the thing that i got away or took away from that the docuseries with Donna, I felt empathy for her because I believed that she believed that she was doing the right thing. And that was the whole point of this Milgram study. Yeah. It was to take people who under normal circumstances would not ever participate in this kind of behavior. Mm -hmm. They were not going to do it. But in these unique circumstances where they believed wholeheartedly in the authority of the person who was giving the command, Mm -hmm. that was the, the, the key. Mm-hmm. And 65% of the people did it because even though they did, didn't want to, mm-hmm. but they did it because they believed in the authority right. of the person giving the command. And furthermore, they believed in the greater good that was going to come out of the study. Right. And this caller who was calling these restaurants, he was telling these managers that your employee has been accused of a crime and we need to clear their name and we need to get to the bottom of it and you're going to get in trouble if you don't. And who knows what else he was saying about what her boss was saying. Mm -hmm. So in Donna's case, she, until the tide started to turn, until she realized what had happened... And it's all on tape. The the yes, miracle. Yes, I was going to say that. The miracle of the fact that they even got this far with this case is that they had a surveillance uh, camera recorded that recorded the whole thing. thing, and they also had another young man, a young teenage employee, who decided to star sixty nine, which I had forgotten all about how mm-hmm. phones used to work, you know, mm-hmm. but he star sixty nine that right after they hung up to get a lead on where this call was coming from. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I do have empathy for Donna in this case, or in all the cases. If you don't know, and you think that her, because beliefs are important. You know, what we believe drives our behavior. Mm -hmm. If If she didn't believe that he was an authority, or if she had some doubt, she wouldn't have done it. She believed it. She believed that he was convincing. But but the thing, how can you believe that when 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 you see what that girl was going through? How can I? That's the part I don't get. Where is the red flag? Where is your discernment? Well, I get it. I know, like, but that's what I'm saying is that she didn't have 
the red flag. Mm -hmm. She didn't have the discernment. Her belief was that this was coming from the authorities and this was, you know, it wasn't her, it was them. They were the, and you know what? At the time of this Stanley Milgram study that he was Mm -hmm. um, conducting, first of all, he was a Jewish man and his family had come from, you know, Europe and some of, some of his family members had died in the concentration camps and other family members were sent to the camps, but survived. Mm -hmm. And they had to come to the United States to live with him Mm -hmm. and his family. So he, he was in it, Mm -hmm. you know, he was, it wasn't just that he cared about the situation. It was his family. So there was that. Um, but now I lost my train of thought of what I was going to say about what he did. What were we saying right before that? Sorry. Well, I don't know what you were going to get at. <laughs> but he obviously, so he was oh, motivated. Oh, I know yeah. what it was. Sorry. The, yeah, the motivation was because the one of the main guys under Hitler who orchestrated the whole plan mm-hmm. to extinguish the Jews was on trial in Israel for his war crimes in the early 60s, in, in 1962. Mm-hmm. And so that was one of his big... Um, reasons why he did the study because that guy said, well, it wasn't me who did it. I was just following orders. So he was pinning on the person above him. And I could kind of see how Donna would be, obviously it's a less egregious um, crime because it doesn't involve millions of people. You know, this man who followed Hitler's orders and came up with this plan to do these concentration camps and get them all together and then extinguish them, Mm. you know, that was pure evil. Mm -hmm. We know that. But he was following orders and supposedly for the greater good because this was going to be a good thing in the end. And you, so then you scale that back to this, whatever this Donna's going through, right? Mm -hmm. And she's on the phone with this guy who's sick, obviously sick, mentally deranged. Same thing with, Obviously, Hitler, you know, mm-hmm. mentally deranged, sick. Mm-hmm. But they have charisma. They have uh, confidence. They have an argument. They have, uh, we're doing this for the good of everybody. And which equals power. Yeah. And they so really, they ha- really, these both of these examples are power in the wrong hands is dang right dangerous. Mm, for sure. Now, okay, Donna, you have empathy. What about her fiance? Him, I mean, she, okay, because she was busy. It was during the the lunch hour or or dinner hour or whatever, and she was in and out. And I I don't have enough information on him, you know, I mean, because the act that the caller told uh the fiance that this young lady needed to do a sexual act on this man Mm -hmm. and why didn't the red flags go off there i don't know i i mean and he did pay for that he went he went to jail yeah and the the young lady was awarded a lot of money in court mcdonald's had to pay her because mm-hmm. this had been happening around the country and McDonald's was aware of it. This this incident happened like in the early 2000s. It was 2004. 2004. Yeah. But it had been happening since 1994. Mm-hmm. It was a decade. And McDonald's did not put out any kind of an email no. 
or they, notice, you know, put something by the phone. No. If anybody tells you no. to search an Didn't employee. Didn't have it in their training. This even happened, by the way, at the McDonald's in Oak Brook. Oak Brook is a training center, a corporate headquarters, and it happened there. It's in the Chicago area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's just interesting to me, and I think that human nature, a lot of times people go, well, you know, how could people be that evil? Well, you know what? People are sick. There's a lot of sickness out there. And there is a lot of evil. And, you know, power in the wrong hands, you know, what's the saying? Um, Power corrupts, Mm -hmm. but absolute power absolutely corrupts. We see it in all kinds of different situations, you Mm -hmm. know, and it's, it's really scary to think that human beings can do some of the things that they do to each other. Yeah. It's appalling. Yeah. And it's it's good to have obedience. It's good to respect authority, but it's also good to have some um, good sense Yeah, between right and wrong. It's good to know the law. <laughs> there was one person that was interviewed that um, was on the phone. Now, we can understand the janitor walks in and he sees this. Well, right. he, he hadn't been groomed by the caller. We get that. Right. But there was another man that was on the phone with this uh, caller, and he knew um, what was right and what was wrong and that he's not going to find money in this person's body crevices. yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's a it's a shame that because this changed the trajectory of these women's lives, these young teenage women mm-hmm. who had gone through this. And I'm sure that it also highly impacted the other individuals who were involved. Absolutely. In fact, one of the detectives, there were only two detectives that followed through on this, by the way. And one of them had said, we will never know how far this went in terms of damage to people. We'll never know that. By the way, there was also a young man that this happened to. Yeah, it's really sickening. And Mm -hmm. the creep behind it all, his name was David Stewart. And um, he never, he was acquitted of all charges, Mm -hmm. which is a shame. Right. I was really shocked at that in watching the docuseries. Sorry if that is a a giveaway, but you you can still watch it. Yeah, especially since everything directed to him and it was not circumstantial evidence it was pretty strong yeah Uh, but and he was just a guy you know married and he had five kids and Mm -hmm. was unassuming Mm -hmm. but he got off (laughs) literally (laughs) sorry sorry whoops (laughs) anyway laugh anyway (laughs) I was just about to say there's nothing funny about this case. And then that came out. I'm like, okay. All right. Uh, anything else that you want to say about this docuseries or about the Milgram study? No, other than, yeah, I don't want to be a dead horse. Really. Yeah. I think probably what I would say is keep your head on a swivel, friends. <laughs> keep your head on a swivel because there really are a lot of opportunities for people to do bad things mm, out there. Yeah. And stay yeah. connected with the Lord. We're, we're going to share a, a right. scripture verse here in a minute. But um, boy, and you know, the church is not impervious to Mm-mm. evil. Right. No. <laughs> That's for sure. Gosh, no. Yeah. So just stay, keep your head on a swivel, stay connected to the Lord and pray for justice, you know, to be served. Because even though this man has not seen 
justice in this day, mm-hmm. in this light, the Lord will not be mocked. No. And, I mean, right. he can be forgiven for these crimes for sure, mm-hmm. but he's going to have to repent. Yeah. And that's a, that's a fact, Jack. For sure. Also, pray mm-hmm. for discernment. Yeah. Yeah. Discernment. That's if you have that. Yeah, and it's if you're in huge. charge of things, you know, like teenagers, let's let's all be nice. Jeez. <laughs> let's try to do the right thing. All right, um, Luke chapter 11, verse 28. And um, well, actually, let's go back up to verse 27, because this is, it goes with it. Jesus was saying these things. A woman in the crowd called out, blessed is the mother who gave birth and nursed you. And Jesus replies, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. You know, when you have a trusted source as your authority and it's pure and it's true and it cannot be shaken and it's proven, Mm -hmm. which the Bible is, if you are looking at the Bible as it is your true source of authority, then, then that's where you go Mm -hmm. for your guidance. Yeah. And it things will fall into the right place. Things will fall into the right place. And it certainly wouldn't um, condone the kind of behaviors that we've talked about here today. So, all right. Well, that was a great one. <laughs> I have never been so hot in the cheeks. I don't know if yeah. I actually w- was red um, that you could see. Yeah. But I could feel it. I've never been so red in the cheeks. You know, ever. it's really interesting though because you you've been in that situation you were only seven years old Mm -hmm. and um these women were just young they're vulnerable Mm -hmm. i hate that i know we talked about that today in in bible study i hate that vulnerable women yeah Mm -hmm. yeah i hate that they were vulnerable and someone took advantage of them I hate it when they do it, like oh, to I elderly people. Bumps. Why? What because happened? Because we're reading in Second Timothy three um, seven, I think it is, mm-hmm. and it is it it says in there from Paul mm-hmm. that these um, these certain men, the, in uh, he uses the word worm. Some versions say creep mm-hmm. into the homes of these weak-willed women. Is how it's worded in my version. Mm-hmm. And take advantage of them because these women are already weak. They're already giving in to their own self-desires. And therefore, they are unable to, even though they keep hearing the truth, they're unable to acknowledge it. Mm. And this is exactly what we're talking about. I mean, we can relate that to this. Yeah. Well, there were a lot of victims in these cases. Mm-hmm. And so pray for them. That's that's good, too. Mm. All right. Are we done? Yes. <laughs> okay. I so. hope you enjoyed that one, friends. Oh, my God. That was great. Well, you've been listening to the Life Happens Laugh Anyway podcast, and I'm still comedian Tracy DeGraff. Thank God. I'm still Catherine. Mm-hmm. Still here. <laughs> See you next time. Bye. <laughs>